On this blue moon eve of January 31st, just before the great lunar eclipse of 2018 and yours truly's 56th birthday, I am bringing you our second promised performance from Burning Man 2017. This was actually the first of our two shows held in the Playa Alchemist Pyramid. This one performed on August 31st to an energized audience of burners. We were opening the pyramid itself, and Samantha Sweetwater opened and set the stage for our message of deep communion to the mystical musical accompaniment of Dissolve, the DJ power duo of Valentin Santana and his brother Andre Renero. You can hear Val's exquisite live violin here and there and taking us out soulfully at the end. After Samantha's lovely invocation, Jasmine came on for an electrifying dance, setting up for the thunderous utterance of Earth. When yours truly, Dr. Bruce, strode out onto the stage to deliver my piece on why communion traces back to our very origins and is the likely mechanism for our very survival. I wound it all up to the new insight of the tripartite system that may actually explain everything, from life's beginning through all of evolution to culture, technology, and even our experience of the union of communion and spirit. So, as I roll into my 56th trace around the solar disk, I offer you this, the next evolution of the message emerging from decades of gestation within the probability field. Find photos and some video of this show at the page for this podcast at www.levityzone.org. Thanks to our Wizard's Light troupe, and if you like what you hear, and have a gig where we could perform this sort of mix and message, please get in touch with me at my personal site at www.damer.com. Thanks to Brad Nye, Mark Lee, Chris Krewalik, and the organizers of Playa Alchemist, including Josiah Rubin and his team at Promosa. See you next time on The Levity Zone.
which suddenly becomes a pre-cell, a proto-cell, the progenote, and then begins to aggregate. You see, there's no such thing as life beginning as a single thing. It started in the trillions and the trillions and the billions and the millions of the particles falling together. They found themselves wanting to stay together. Could it be that love is implicit in the universe? Could it be that the real nature of all things is to want to commune? Could it be that our higher purpose and potential lies in collectivity? Because we come from the many. We come from all the parts coming through and the cold, the sun, and the moon, the alchemy of the universe is slowly orchestrated the happenstance of the humans. And they sit there. You sit there. And from life's perspective, there is only one purpose, which is to create more of itself. Could it be that as you come together, as we come together and we cuddle and we snuggle and we soften all of our boundaries, releasing all of our edges and our preconceived notions about who we thought we needed to be, and we discover who we might be as a mirror for collectivity, as a perfect fractal of the soul we've been given, finding its harmony in the great sea of all of the souls, the great sea of the potentiality of life making more complexity and harmony along its spiral. Imagine, my friends, where we might be going. Imagine, my friends, where this could take us in the next evolutionary pattern for the humans. A great emergence of collective intelligence, the kiss of spirit and matter, the kiss of the heart and the head, of the one and the many, of the known and the possible, of science and magic. And a kiss, that kiss is in each of you, that kiss is in each of us. It's in ourselves. It's in the very DNA inside of us. This improbable, perfect communion, seeking only more of the climbing of life's ladder. So we welcome you this evening into our little game, our little inquiry of deep communion. Snuggle in, make yourself comfortable. The only place to go is forward, in, out, around, and through.
so, so, what have we discovered? What have we discovered now? What we have discovered is where we are, right here, right now. You're all together. You're all snuggling together. I see these two on the beanbag. I see the ones in the back. How often do we do this when we're back in the default world? Huh? Snuggle together. Feel your power. This is the power of communion, returning to the humans. We used to have this back in the tribal days. Do you remember Stanley Kubrick's film 2001? Everybody remember? What were they doing before the obelisk came? What were they doing? They were all together. The proto-humans, they were all snuggled together. And then suddenly, there was this black obelisk. This black obelisk appeared. What did they do, do you remember? They did this. They were going crazy. There was a black obelisk right there in their little communion. So they decided to go and touch it. They put their hands out, you remember? The first one that put their hand out and touched it jumped back. Huh? Do you remember that? Touched it and went back. And then they all got brave and they all started to stroke it. They stroked this obelisk. They were trying to figure it out. They'd never seen anything so smooth. They'd never seen anything so smooth. And then what the obelisk did is it turned them on. It turned their minds on. This is Stanley Kubrick's vision of how we got turned on. So here we are in an obelisk again, but we're inside it now. We're inside technology, but it's not alien technology. It's the technology we made. Isn't it glorious? Did, do you know this pyramid is exactly the proportions of the Great Pyramid at Giza down to the arc second? These wonderful Playa Alchemist folks made this just as the Pyramid at Giza for you. So communion, communion. What happens when you go home? What happens when you drive to Reno? You start being your automobiles, then slowly communion vanishes. You get to Reno, you get a shower in a hotel, and you walk downstairs to go to the buffet, and now everyone's separate again. Is that right? We're all separate again. We're not all separate again? Well, that's because you're burners and you're sleeping 14 to a hotel room, you know? <laughs> So you continue the snuggle all the way home. But what you're gonna do, like these people in this circle of light here, is you're creating new communion, new community. You're now comfortable with each other, snuggling up. Do you know that I've actually looked into the eyes of New Yorkers here? Do you know how rare that is? New Yorkers making eye contact? Guys from Bed-Stuy looking you in the eye? Hey? Any 
away from Bed-Stuy. So it's amazing what we're doing here because we're bringing communion back. We're winding it back into our lives gradually and gently. And we're doing it like Stanley Kubrick's tribe, like the bonobos before, the hippie monkeys from which we issue. We also issue from the chimps who went to war. But we're bringing back communion. But what I want to share to you is this is always the way it was. Do you like to see the newest science behind communion? Anybody want to see science? Science? So with me in my little wizard's pouch, I have brought you a treat. This is going to be the oldest burner in history. So these guys came all the way from Western Australia. Are there any Australians here? Up in the Northwest of Australia, there was a, a piece of a protocontinent, a piece of a protocontinent, it turns out to be the oldest land on earth that didn't get all smushed and subducted. Instead, it got jammed into WA, Western Australia. Yeah. And up in WA, you have, for you Americans in your primitive measurement system, 180 degrees on the ground Fahrenheit in the day in the Australian summer, and 135 in Marble Bar. It's very hot. So between the camels and the kangaroos, you find this up in WA. Can you see it? Can you kind of divine it? What this is, is the oldest evidence for life on Earth. 3.5 billion years old. The little stromatolytic rock textures that took 60 years for the scientific community to believe that this was made by the living world. When despite the fact that their offspring were in Shark Bay alive today, this is the stromatolite from a lake shore 3.48 billion years ago. So these are the oldest burners. They're really chilled and chuffed to be at the burn. They're heavy because they're full of iron. They cracked the iron from the air, from the sea, and they made it into banded iron for you and me to have our automobiles in the future. So this is your ancestors. These are your ancestors, your oldest known ancestors, the stromatolite. So one of the things we learned when we studied these, one of the things we learned is that they are a community they're a communion of entities that work together. And science has always been questionable about the origins of life. What has science taught us or sort of suggested about the origins of life? Can anybody shout it out? Hmm? Is there a one phrase that comes to mind? Big Bang, okay. Anything else about the origin of life? 
Do you remember what Darwin wrote? Evolution? Anything else? Natural selection? And then what happened? Survival of the fittest. Okay, what I'm going to reveal to you is how this idea went off the rails in the 19th century and how we're going to bring it back on the rails. So Darwin believed that life began in some warm little pond somewhere, warm little pond somewhere, a pond with phosphoric salts, a pond with electricity and proteins in 1871, and he nailed it. He really nailed it. What I want to suggest to you is though, he got tricked. He was convinced to use the term survival of the fittest instead of the term natural selection later in his life. And survival of the fittest is such, what do you think of that idea, survival of the fittest? How does that hit you? War, right? Was that? Shame? Shitty. So survival of the fittest is kind of a shitty term, isn't it? Does that suggest to you? Survival of the fittest. It's a very Victorian idea, like the white people from England are of course more fit than the brown-skinned people anywhere, right? This was the idea. So survival of the fittest. This has been a term that's cost us trouble because it went into economics, it went into politics, it went into our ideology, right? Survival of the fittest. That means someone's not fit. That means someone's not fit to survive. What a terrible concept. How does that rub you? Pretty wrong, huh? So what I wanna share with you is new science. And I have it right here. Can you see this? See this magazine? It's Scientific American. And on the cover, it says, New Origin of Life. This is our work that we published. Oh, the ancestors return. So, what we've discovered now is that life may have started a completely different way than we've been told to this day. It started in as a community, as a cycling pool of protocells that Samantha mentioned. So think about it this way. You're gonna take a bath in a bathtub. You fill up the bathtub. You put in your bubble bath, because burners, of course, use colored bubble bath, don't they, in their bathtubs. So then what happens is that all those soap bubbles, as these you dry down, as you drain down, collect at the bottom of the tub. It turns out that in hot springs like Yellowstone, or like the ancient one in Australia, these bubbles that collect down at the bottom can concentrate materials and contain them, and they form a mass, like a foam. And then the bubbles dry down further, and they synthesize new polymers, new molecules, that then go back when the tub fills again, maybe from a hot spring geyser 
and those bubbles go out into the water and some of them pop and some of them do not. And this is the beginning of natural selection. We discovered this in the lab six years ago, that we could make these bubbles in the lab and we would get more and more and more of them. Beautiful, huh? A beautiful thing. We found a cycle, a genesis engine, if you will, that could potentially lift life into existence. That's what's published here on the cover of Scientific American this month. What I'm going to share with you now is why this is such a beautiful thing. Because instead of individual bubbles duking it out in the solution, which you can't have because bubbles don't have technology to compete, the only way that life could start, the only way that life could get it going is in a community. In, an, in a mass of bubbles and a mass of protocells all sharing instead of competing. What a concept. We had a symbiotic start. So what does this mean for our future? This is an idea so powerful that it has the potential to roll all of science. 500 years ago, an astronomer named Copernicus showed how planets orbited the sun instead of the earth. He created what was called the Copernican Revolution. That rolled science. It also rolled the church and could have rolled his head if he had published this in his lifetime. It rolled science, the Copernican recentering on the sun as the center of the cosmos at the time. Well, with this, a symbiotic start where we came from a community, the whole biosphere started as a community. It's a Copernican revolution. It's a new center. And so what does this mean? This means that when we elect people that create division or that get elected to powerful positions, by creating division and fear, they're going against the grain of how everything is made and how it came to be in the first place. Huh? So, they are not on the program. They are not part of Stanley Kubrick's monkeys that are all together. They are not in your program here at Burning Man. You are part of the core program. You are running the core code of communion. They are off course. Please understand that from my heart to yours, you're on the right course. They are not. They are out of whack with nature itself. This is the potency of this idea of the symbiotic start for our civilization. So people who are separate from nature, that don't consider the value of land, the value of water, the value of human health, people who create division, who write fake, fake news. They're the dark eagles over the landscape, the eagles of separation, the eagles of division, and they threaten our future. But guess what? Gaia, Gaia is on our side. 
because this is how Gaia rolls. As you roll out into the playa tonight, and you're rolling on your elixirs, on your medicines, and you see the scale and scope of the playa, and all the art cars, and all the shared and collective art, you are at the pinnacle of human achievement. This is the pinnacle of human achievement. Out, out there on the playa, we have a hundred billion dollars worth of technology. Maybe it's a hundred trillion dollars by now. Those LEDs, that's created by our community. Silicon Valley, high-tech labs everywhere, super designers that work with China to get it all built and make it affordable. This is our world. Somebody, a couple of years ago, when I was walking the playa, I said, how could this be happening in America? How could this incredible stage or this incredible pyramid be happening in America? A schlocky America of shopping malls and, and stupid radio and stupid TV. And how could this be happening in America? And she turned to me and she said, I don't know about you, but this is my America. This is my America. So we have a better understanding of the earth, where we come from, where we can go, how to build technologies to make our world sustainable, how to produce the best visuals, the best media, the best story. We have all those cards. We have all those cards. If we come from communion, if we get together as a community and build that and push that future forward, because those that are still living on survival of the fittest, still running that story, are gonna eat themselves. They're going to eat themselves like the snake that eats the tail of the snake, which eats the tail of the snake. So those systems that we complain about, that we're afraid about in Washington or everywhere, are eating their own tails. They're eating their own tails while we build the future. And guess what? They depend upon us. They use our smartphones that we created in this culture that came from the Macintosh, that came from the genius of, of the computing pioneers, the user interface designers, the internet pioneers. They're all from our world. They understand the power of networking and communion, right? They grokked it. So those powers that are complaining the loudest, that are shouting and creating the fake news, it's because, in a sense, they're now enmeshed in the world we've made. We just have to understand we are running the program of Gaia. So this is the news I wanted to bring you. The good news, the gospel, the new gospel of our time, which is good news. This is what I wanted to share with you. So I hope this helps you as we roll out into the playa, as we enjoy this. This is a peak night. Did you know 
Thursday night is always considered the peak night. Did you know that? Because the weekenders aren't here. It's the pioneers are here. The camps are up and running like this one. This is the night. This, sorry? The triangle, do, do you want to know how this is rolling into consciousness? Anyone into consciousness research? Do you want to hear about how this rolls consciousness? So what we discovered on the way to the progenote is a magical triangle. And thank you, like the triangles that are here. It turns out that life is made of three tripartite pieces. One is a probability engine that takes improbable things and brings them into higher and higher and higher probability until they're actual. It's an amazing property. It explains spiritual vision. It explains intention that you got the Burning Man ticket and the car pass against all odds because the universe of the living world dials into your requests all the time and says, I'll deliver that. That's why miracles are happening and happening faster and faster. So the probability engine helps life get started. Then there's the interactome. The interactome is what's happening all out here. You're meeting amazing people. You're running into random people. This is an amazing interactome. So is Manhattan. People walk on the crystal of Manhattan, downtown and uptown and across town, and they meet people. That's a powerful interactome, but life uses that too. Cells talk to each other. Then there's a third component of the triangle, the patternome. The patternome, memory, genetics, things that allow one generation to remember and pass on to the next, whether it's a cell dividing, or whether it's you writing a note in your phone to contact somebody. So if you have three things like this, the probability engine makes the interactions happen, which makes the memory for the future, which drives the probability engine to make even more amazing things, like where we are now. And it keeps going and going and going in this triangle. I was shown this in a vision, in a vision one night, that this triangle, going and going and going, makes a system so large, it's called the field. It's so big that it's bigger than our consciousness, much bigger than our consciousness, and that we are exquisite instruments to sense that field that is made by this tripartite system, going around the pyramid. I was told by the vision which grabbed my shirt collar and said, you monkeys are just learning to sense this field. 2,000 years ago, it was a handful of people that could sense the field. Now it's millions of people. Meditators, trippers, extreme sporters. They can sense the field. And as you sense this field, more people sense the field. And you're turning on to the cosmos. And this thing is bigger than primate consciousness. And it's pulling us forward. It's an intelligence of its own, pulling us forward into survival and into the future. So this all came from this new Copernican center of the symbiotic start. We'll be presenting this at Science and Non-Duality. We just presented this 
at the Consciousness Science Conference. And just before I left for the playa, I got a 10-page email from Ken Wilbur. Do you know Ken Wilbur? Ken Wilbur created Spiral Dynamics. He's one of the world's greatest metaphysicists, trying to figure it all out. Ken Wilbur is a beautiful man. He created Integral Theory. He's an amazing man. He saw this article, and he, he wrote to me, Bruce, this is completing my life's work, because what you've shown is that the spirals go all the way down to the touch point, to the very beginning. It's all spiral all the way down to union, to complete communion. And then we had another exchange and I said, well, where do we go from here? He said, there's a sixth spiral, which is about conscious awareness of this whole thing. And then there's a seventh spiral in his model, which is about the complete union and the non-dual. So this model is helping Ken Wilber see the whole thing he's been working on for 50 years. And it's just come out. It's just starting to roll. Different communities picking it up. Richard Dawkins will pick it up and, and find something he loves in it. Freeman Dyson's reading. Elizabeth Satoris is reading this thing. And it's just beginning. It's rolling into these constituencies. It doesn't matter if they're reductionists and strict Darwinists is something in it for them. They may be the Dalai Lama. There will be something in it for His Holiness there'll be something in it for you. It's a new realization. It's new communion. So with that, unless there's any other audience requests, we'll bring our team back up. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. We have sound. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Dr. Bruce Damer, my friends. So I have the opportunity to invite us into a little experience of this. So what we've just described is that all of life functions because it bends probability. It bends the second law of thermodynamics and it creates this little, little bit of a twist in the universe that says, ha ha, I'm gonna make more of myself. And it makes this little, little, little divot in space-time. In, in the second law of thermodynamics, it creates a probability engine, and then it creates a connectome and a patternome, an interactome and a patternome. And that's what makes it all work. And in this very trippy way, that's exactly what we're doing here on the playa. We created the most improbable place to live an epic life ever. And we're connecting dots. We're building new pattern recognitions. And we're creating new memories, new connections, new patterns, new connections. So I'd like to invite you all to stand up. Please. To stand up, please. And we're going to bring the music up a little bit. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and with your feet on the ground, start to wiggle a little bit. 
take your attention in to your inner space and start to find the parts of you that are like this primordial intelligence. We call this dancing. <laughs> but I'm going to invite you to find your shoulders, find your hips, find your belly, find the part of you that knows how to generate inner connectivity. Inner connectivity creates a more powerful opportunity for outer expression, outer expressivity, to finding that inner space where you can feel yourself. And then we're going to invite us to create a really powerful space of connection. And the way we're going to do that, Jasmine, if you join me, is to start to move through the space. And we're going to move through the spaces around other people. And we're going to sort of demonstrate here. We're going to start to explore the negative space, the space that isn't filled.
engaging the great dance. I'm going to invite up our friends and just introduce you to our beloved little team here. This is Jasmine Simbiasi. Val, Andre, beautiful brothers, they go as Dissolve. DJ Dissolve, give them a hand. They're up and coming and epic. <laughs> and Dr. Bruce Damer. You're gonna be hearing about this man, this man, this science that he's just shared with you is going to fundamentally transform the way we think about one, biology, but also physics, and how we think about social science and spirituality. So you heard it right here, it's very exciting. My name is Samantha Sweetwater, and we are Wizard Light. Thank you. Happy Thursday! If you'd like more of this, we're gonna do another show tomorrow night. We will undoubtedly be telling you some different stories. So come back and bring your friends. Enjoy this space. Let it amplify all of your intentions. Much love. Good night.